Hi guys, welcome to the podcast, we're glad you're here, it's Kyle and Derek. That's literally creepy, I feel like I'm gonna get shanked, <laughs> shaked in a dark alley. <laughs> One of us is about to die. We're really glad to be here, I just wanted to change it up for an episode because they all sound the same. Yeah. I'll, I'll think of something new for the next one that is a little bit more lighthearted. I feel like... That you need to save that audio clip and when we go back and do our year end recap episode. That yep. needs to be in there. Yep. <laughs> Kyle's Eeyore yeah. <laughs> greeting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're really excited to be back for another episode. Um, if, if you didn't catch our last one, I'm back. Uh, not that they, not, n- I mean, we just started releasing episodes again. It's not like you did one without me. Right. But, um, yeah. But you're back, back in the saddle, ready to rip. Mm-hmm. Life is good. Life is good. Uh, we're we're having lots of fun, uh, and and eating lots of food that other people brought us. So that's always a win. Did you like my wife's food, by the way? I, I, yeah, as I honestly, ask you this, honestly, <laughs> no, it, it was it was delicious. Um, I hope that by the time this episode releases, it's gone because yeah. it will have been two and a half weeks since you brought it over. Yep. And if it's not gone by that point, then we should just throw it away because it's probably moldy. It's probably walking away. Yeah, but uh, no, it really was. Uh, it really was delicious. Um, On the way home, Meg was like, "I hate making food for people, not because I don't like doing it for people, but because she goes, part of me always wonders, like, do they actually like it <laughs> or are they just being polite? Especially like in this context, where like we're eating with them, so they have to eat it, and and so no, I just no, I had we to uh, we have a you. kind of a it was like a tortellini bake mm-hmm. with a bunch of cheese on it like noodles and cheese how yeah. why would we not like it right but uh we make a kind of a similar ish dish and i like that too so why wouldn't i like this i love it mm-hmm. i love it well we're happy to have you back we're glad that you are are doing well and quite frankly i'm glad that your wife is doing well because i don't i don't really care how you feel because i know you didn't bring a child into the Planet, and frankly, I just don't care anyway about That's you. That's fair. I'd, I love you and I respect you, but yeah. Hard to argue with that. <laughs> the, All right. The toxicity um, on this episode sometimes we, is just <laughs> something else. So we're diving in to uh, premarital counseling. Come on. On this episode, uh, because the goal of youth ministry is that we're around for a while. Yeah. You know, the goal of youth ministry is not to just be a youth pastor for four, five, six years, and then, you know, use it as a stepping stone to be a senior pastor. What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> Was that shot not veiled enough? <laughs> um, no, in all honesty, uh, you know, the, the, when, let me, how do I phrase this? Derek's uh, path was not intentional. No. Uh, there are youth pastors who literally go into youth ministry with the intention of being there for like two or three years at the most yep. because then they want to be a senior pastor. Uh, I would not advocate for that. No. Uh, and and uh, that's that's tough. But uh, the goal, like I said, like I, I want to be in a student's life for a long enough time that you know, they're off, graduated, getting married, and the possibility might arise that they ask, you know, their youth pastor to officiate their wedding. Yeah. That happens on a regular basis. And uh, we want to dive in today to kind of how to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, and so before we do, uh, you know, Derek, just kind of, you know, we're going to, we're going to peel back the curtain and do what our wives love most, which is talk about them on the podcast. Yep. Um, share a little bit just like, yeah, my name is Derek. I've been married for this amount of time and life is great. And, uh, this was our wedding yeah. Colors and perfect cutlery and floral arrangements, floral centerpieces. Kind of give us just kind of the background to Derek and Meg's marriage. I love it. We're in year seven. Uh, you know, we've been together for, I think it'll officially mark that year seven in June here, but we are in year seven. And, you know, you talked about last episode, this whole just wait kind of mentality. Um, you know, in year seven, there's this thing called the seven year itch where, 
uh, people are kind of like, you know, I'm just, I love my spouse, but I like, I just, the honeymoon phase is gone and like, we're not super happy or dysfunctional and like, it's all crap. Like it really is. I mean, I'm, I'm in love with my wife and you know, there are things we're always growing in and, and doing that kind of thing. But you know, kind of in this season of life, uh, my wife and I are kind of, uh, finding ourselves again and finding our life together again, if that makes sense. And what I mean by that is, uh, we had kids that are four and two. And so they're kind of relatively self-sufficient at this point. Uh, but they have, we have been in this state of per- parenting and, and raising small children for the last five plus years. And so now that our kids are kind of becoming self-sufficient, we can get back to who are, who is Derek? Who is Meg? And, you know, with that, who are they together? And so we've just been able to find some new opportunities to do things that we both love individually, but then also, um, you know, like we've just been able to kind of rekindle and go back to what are the things that we love to do together? And, um, it's almost been the antithesis of the seven year itch. I I find myself, um, more excited and more into my wife, um, you know, than the other option, I guess you could say. And, Life is good in the mom household, so. Aw. Yeah, that's what you're looking for. We need that soundboard, man. Because we do. We really. There, we was get, my aw not good enough for no, you? No, it, it, it was good, but I would like to record that, and then whenever you say something sentimental in future episodes, I'm just going to hit aw. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was cute. Thank I like you. it. Um, so my wife and I, uh, we are going to be celebrating our five-year anniversary coming up here in May. Um, we, uh, obviously it just had child number one. And so, you know, we, we knew like my wife is, is huge into traveling, uh, you know, loves to kind of explore an adventure. And so, you know, we were blessed with the opportunity to do that on a number of occasions before child number one came along. Uh, And so I think, and plus, you know, my wife had a full-time job that, uh, you know, she is stepping away from, uh, here now. And, you know, just, just a lot of change is, is coming with this, not only with, you know, the, the daughter herself, but also, you know, in a couple different life avenues. And so I think that, you know, for us, we are stepping into a season in our marriage where, uh, more intentionality will probably be required. Uh, you know, when, when you are taking care of a small human, uh, you know, you, you don't want to always let survival mode win out over date night. Yep. Uh, you know, we are super excited about the fact that we have a lot of family close by, that, uh, that can come and babysit so we can go grab dinner together or, you know, and, and even, you know, her mom came over, uh, the night before I came back to work. Uh, you know, we had like an end of the paternity leave, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, date night kind of thing. And it was it literally, we went out and we got dinner, we got ice cream and we went home. Like yep. it was not complicated. Sure. Uh, and, or was it long? But, you know, just an opportunity for us to connect. And I think that, you know, going forward, that'll kind of be the, uh, the, the trick. Yeah. Um, and, and that's true of, of all marriages, Yeah, (laughs) you know, finding those times to, to connect and, and disrupt the, the cycles and the rhythms. Um, but you know, the, the win for me is, is a couple things. One um, my wife is like fun and hilarious. And so, you know, it like finding those moments, even in everyday life is, is common. Uh, and, and I enjoy hanging out with her, mm-hmm. uh, which is also a win. Uh, but she also like her, well, one of the reasons that I wanted to marry her in the first place is that sh- she's not a personality that's like, yep, I think I'm just like on cruise control for the rest of my life now. Right. You know, she wants to grow. She wants to, to learn new things. She wants, she loves to adventure. And so that, uh, you know, excites me going forward of like, Hey, now not only is this a two person adventure, it's a three person adventure. Yep. Uh, plus two cats. And, uh, (laughs) side note, uh, we, 
I have put off for so long. Uh, you like, you can find like little harnesses to like walk your cat yep. or like you can get the backpack that's clear that yep. your cat can sit in and you can go for a walk. And I don't want to do that cause I don't want to be that, that guy. Yep. But it also sounds hilarious Oh, and something yeah. I want to try. So I'm not really sure where I'm at with that I think yet, you need to. but, uh, we'll see. We'll see. But <laughs> um, no, yeah, like even walks around our neighborhood. I'm excited for when it warms up because, you know, those those little moments to connect, uh, I really enjoy those. Well, and having that kid, there's a level of depth and intimacy that comes in your marriage that wasn't there before. You know, not that you can never get that, but it is something about seeing your spouse who you dearly love personified in another human being just kind of creates this layer of love that, uh, is truly indescribable. So dude, that's awesome. That's, uh, that's super exciting, but that's why everyone wanted to be here. They wanted to hear about how great our wives are, right? Yeah, that's, uh, probably true. I think um, so. I, there it is. I, I couldn't find my show doc there for a second. Uh, so premarital counseling, uh, you know, and, and the goal is to set people up for the perfect marriages that we have. Um, clearly (laughs) don't ask our wives, but we do have perfect. Yes, obviously. Uh, do you think that we can release a podcast episode like, so it goes to everybody else? Uh, yeah, I think, I I think we could work on that. Hmm. We'll, we'll have to. Get creative. Talk to our tech department, see what they can come up with. Yep, I think so. Um, So first we want to kind of dive into, you know, we have uh, a unique resource, a couple unique resources for this one. Actually, the first is that uh, Derek did his senior project for college uh, on premarital counseling. And so, Derek, I'm going to kind of turn it over to you for a second uh, for two reasons. One, because you are the foremost, uh, expert in the room on premarital counseling. And so I want to kind of hear your thoughts and, and, and research into kind of like, Hey, why is this so important? Yeah. Uh, and two, I have this beautiful bag of Swedish fish that I want to open that you want to munch on. So it's a good call. Uh, yeah, why, uh, how many, everybody's going to be wondering for the rest of like the production of this podcast, if there's a lull where like Kyle or Derek doesn't talk for more than 30 seconds. Are they eating a snack? Uh, (laughs) What they don't know is we've been eating snacks for 67 episodes now in between. between, Yeah, it's true. And we haven't had any uh, (laughs) negative feedback yet, but no, uh, you know, premarital. (laughs) Don't do that. That is tastes so delicious. (laughs) Jokes on you. We can hear you open up your wrapper and we know you haven't done that yet. No, I haven't. But anyways, Derek, why is premarital counseling so important? Uh, I'm even going to kick it back a little bit further, um, you know, because something that really, really birthed this desire in me to study it is because um, for my wife and I, you know, we, we went through premarital counseling and it was good, but it, it left something to be desired. You know, there was still a depth of it where I was like, I just feel like that wasn't, not that it wasn't helpful, but I just felt like it was, it was average. It wasn't like something that really, really challenged me and, and helped us and, and that kind of thing. And that's, that's not a dig on anyone who, who did it for us. Um, but it just kind of, there was something birthed inside of me that I wanted more. And so you know, with this senior project, it was kind of a two part thing. One was the research and two was the project part of it. So what are you going to do with what you now know? And so, um, what I found out is I think it's a relatively common stat, but the divorce rate in America is about 50%. So one in two marriages end in divorce. I think a lot of people know that. What a lot of people don't know is that the numbers for Christian couples is not all that different which is kind of crazy to me. I anticipated it, you know, still having a relatively quote unquote high rate. You know, I figured maybe every Christian uh, couple, you know, one in every four gets divorced or one in every five, but it wasn't a whole lot different when I was researching at the time uh, from your typical, you know, normal secular couple. Now, what was interesting to me is the caveat to that was, a couple who went through premarital counseling, the divorce rate for that couple 
was significantly lower than those who had not went through premarital counseling. And, you know, there was a lot that kind of went into that. And, um, you know, I, I really could get into a bunch of, of stats and that kind of thing. I don't necessarily feel the need to at this point, but here's what I will say is, is interesting to me. It's so significant that in the state of Minnesota, which Kyle and I both reside in, both of us have officiated weddings in this state, uh, I think. Yep. Okay. Um, have you officiated weddings outside of Minnesota? Yes. Ah, yeah. I have one coming up in Iowa. How I, exciting is that? That is exciting. Iowa. Ooh. I've had one in Wisconsin. Okay. Um, I have another one in Wisconsin coming up this year, um, but nothing too crazy beyond that. But here, here's what I will say is that the research is so significant that this actually helps that in the state of Minnesota, when you file for your marriage license, it's $115 to get your marriage license like certified and all that good stuff. If you have a 12-hour minimum session of premarital counseling that is notarized and signed by the officiating person, they knock down a discount from $115 to like $40. It's yep. like a $75 discount. Why would they do that? Well, it must be because they're trying to incentivize that premarital counseling is good for you. So you should do it, you know? And so it's, it's really interesting to me when you see all this data that lines up, that really points to the fact that, oh goodness, premarital counseling actually makes a difference. Uh, and there was just, I, I could nerd out about this for so long because it really, really was interesting. But, um, there's what's where I kind of, where my research led me is, okay, good. Premarital counseling is helpful. And here are some of the things that are covered, but to contrast this, here are some of the leading causes of divorce, you know, and where is that overlap? What are the things that are leading causes of divorce? And that we talk about premarital counseling and more significantly, where is there no overlap? You know, what are those things that have caused divorces and what are those things that we don't talk about? And maybe hmm, that's our cue that we should probably dialogue them about premarital counseling. And so we're going to get into the nitty gritty of how Kyle and I do premarital counseling, where it comes from. Uh, but I guess the where we start with this is we would both stand behind the fact that premarital is useful. Premarital is beneficial. Uh, premarital is not um, a fail safe. It's not like, okay, if you go through premarital, then you, you're never getting divorced. Like it's not infallible, but it really does go a deep way in helping a couple develop and go deep into their marriage. Okay. So I have uh, a couple things before we dive into the specifics of, uh, premarital. Um, I, I have a couple of just kind of questions quick that I want to kind of throw out here. Um, First of all, I do think it's really interesting that Minnesota has the discount. Um, mm-hmm. Iowa does not. I don't know about Wisconsin, but um, it, I'd be curious to see how many states do that. Sure. Because um, it's interesting, and mm-hmm. I like that they do that. It's a cool incentive. Um, do you, to, to kind of back up a second, Yeah. one of the things that I do is I, I haven't come across this situation yet, but... I would have a hard time officiating a wedding if I did not also do premarital counseling with the couple. Yep. Uh, you know, the, the caveat would probably be like, Oh, well, if they had somebody else they were doing premarital with like, okay, that might be okay. But part of the reason is because like, I like using that time to really like get to know that couple in that way. Yep. Um, do you have, any, uh, like, nope, I'm not going to officiate your wedding things that could potentially pop up in premarital specifically or just or in even, general or even before premarital. Okay. Like if somebody comes to you and says, Hey, we would like you to officiate our wedding. Um, what could cause you to say no? Okay. There's a few instances in which I'm, you and I both are contractually like forbidden from, from marrying. I don't know if we want to go into those specifics right now. I don't think it's super, super pertinent, but we can. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know that I know what they are. Okay. I do. Um, you know, I, I, I'm confident I have not broken any of them, but I probably don't know what they are. (laughs) For example, for example, within Kyle and I 
our our licensing through the Assemblies of God denomination, Kyle and I are not allowed to officiate a wedding between two members of the same sex. It, it's a it's a denominational thing. It goes against our licensing. We're not going to get into how we feel about that on this episode. All those kind of things. Um, Did we do an episode on that? I don't think so. Not in depth. It's coming. Yep, it is coming. If we didn't do it already, we'll do one. It's been it's been in the works. Um, so like there's there's those kinds of things. Here's what I'll also tell you. Uh, when I did this premarital, there I because here's what I was going to get into, but I'm going to do it now. The other piece of information that I found incredibly interesting, it was like significant, was the correlation between cohabitation and divorce. Hmm. Cohabitation meaning you live together before you get married. The stats are not promising. Let me just tell you that. Like yeah. it's it's the the divorce rate skyrockets when couples live together prior to getting married. So my thought in th- in college in theory was okay, if a couple's living together before they get married, I'm not going to officiate that wedding. And I wanted to stick to that conviction. Now, being in what I call the real world, where I've got to is there have been certain couples where whether I officiated their wedding or not did not change the fact that they were going to get married. And it didn't change the fact that if I said, hey, I'm not going to officiate your wedding if you're living together, they'd be like, okay, I'm going to go find somebody else. And so my, my thought was instead of making them feel shame and guilt, I don't want to miss an opportunity to pour into their life and make their marriage, do my part to make their marriage something that's beneficial. And so, um, so realistically outside of what I am like contractually against, I will go into every single opportunity to officiate a wedding with the intent that I will do that with the very important distinction that I want to do some form of premarital counseling. Even if that premarital counseling is, Hey, can we have a Zoom call for two hours where I just get to know you and know the ins and the outs? Because I just don't feel right about being the person who gets a call on a Wednesday. Hey, we need to, we, we're going to the courthouse on Saturday. I know you don't know me. I know you don't know my husband. We need to officiate. Can you officiate our wedding on Saturday? I don't feel right about just showing up to the courthouse, sign my name on a piece of paper and affiliating to a couple that I have no doubt where they're at. You know, So I always have some form a premarital, whether it's my whole program or whether it is just a two-hour conversation about who are you and where are you at, I want to make sure I have some kind of connection point before we get to the I do, and that's a non-negotiable for me. Yeah, that's good. I think um, <clears throat> I, I agree with you in both the cohabitating thing and the real-world part of that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to uh, you know it's hard to take the ideals and put them into practice. Uh, I am in a, a, what I would call a more favorable spot uh, where as the youth pastor, I do not often, I I never get like just the random couple that's like, I don't know you, but you want me to officiate your wedding or maybe came from a referral or whatever like that. Yep. Um, And so I, I don't want to like just have like 12 weddings that I'm officiating every year. Uh, that's, that's a ton anyway, but I would, I don't really want to do like four or five in a year, like two or three at the most would be great. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, you know, family is, is the one that I will kind of like have different rules for sure uh, for the same reason that you laid out. Like if this is an opportunity for me to, you know, be a little bit of a light here, yep. uh, which is, which is definitely a win. Um, or old high school classmates. I had that one this year okay. where, you know, I haven't talked to a bunch of my classmates, you know, since yeah. it's been 10 years since we graduated high school and I got to officiate their wedding and it was cool, you know, just to, is uh, is your high school doing a ten year reunion? No idea. <laughs> Probably, but I was never on the in in my high school. Yeah, uh, like I was there, but I was never like one of those kids that like was in the know with everything or on the cool cool kids club. Mm-hmm. And so I have no idea. I think yeah. we're supposed to, but who knows? We uh, I did get something that or some chatter that we are doing one this year, but uh, 
it is when I am out of the country on a mission trip with our youth kids. So, so I am freed even from the decision of do I go or not? Are you going to go to the reunion or the mission trip? I'm going to go on the mission trip okay. for sure. For sure. Not even a doubt. That's a choice, I guess. Um, it is a choice and one I will make <laughs> gladly. Um, how many, so kind of getting into, before we get into the specific topics, just from a structure standpoint, yeah. uh, how many, if, if you're doing premarital with somebody like the full thing, how many times do you meet and approximately for how long? Again, theory to real life. When I came out of college, eight sessions. Ooh, that is a lot. Since I hit real life, I cut it in half. So, you know, those eight sessions were broke up into eight categories. Maybe week three is finances. Week four is conflict. Week five is, you know, whatever. Uh, But I started kind of grouping things together in a way that makes sense. And I'll get into the nitty gritty here in just a second. But um, four is good. And I usually meet anywhere between an hour and a half to three hours it just depends how things flow. Uh, you know, sometimes when it's family, we get together for three hours because, you know, the first hour is spent just talking about life and getting caught up and we don't hit the actual meat and potatoes of our premarital. Uh, but, you know, I've found that that four times is a good number because it, 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 it creates buy-in and it's not just like a random get together with the officiant. It's, it's like a structured thing that you can do and you can string meetings together with homework and different things from, from session to session. And, you know, with it being that hour and a half minimum to like more like two and a half, three hours, um, you really just create a lot of things that generate conversations and generate things in which the couple walks away from that meeting and goes, huh, we got to talk about this on a deeper level. Because realistically, pastors, that's what you're here to do. Uh, If you're doing premarital counseling for your own benefit, you're doing it wrong. I mean, as Kyle said, there are some certain things we can pull out of it that will help the actual ceremony go better and that kind of thing. But the whole goal is to put things and, and pitch questions to a couple that implores them to dialogue and grow in their relationship with each other. And so, you got to go into it going, what is going to help them grow as a couple uh, and and, and kind of go along that. So again, having those four sessions for roughly two hours kind of accomplishes that. And in the whole state of Minnesota, because again, if you're good at math, four sessions, two hours, that's eight hours. How do I sign off saying I've done 12? Well, I give them stuff to do after we're done meeting. That really kind of complements those other four hours. Yeah, I like it. I... Uh... I same concept. Uh, I have I have three uh, meetings that I'll do, um, two of them especially, but oftentimes all three of them will lean, you know, maybe even more toward two and a half or even three hours. Uh, but there is some stuff outside of you know our meetings that that they're doing and and accomplishing. So I like that. All right, let's dive into to some specifics here. Uh, you know, some, some of the specific things I'll share, you know, first, just kind of, a a couple thoughts here. Uh, when I do premarital with a couple, my first session is like the practical one for me almost, uh, you know, I start off with, even if I've known this couple for years, um, tell me your story. And, and I just shut up and listen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm asking questions like, how did you guys meet? How's your relationship grown? What are your hobbies individually and together? Uh, you know, why do you want to get married? Uh, you know, asking some of those things. Um, I will ask them like, cause some people are more excited about premarital counseling than others. Uh, I'll ask them like, Hey, is there anything that you specifically want to cover? Or conversely, is there anything that you specifically don't want to cover? And I've never had somebody give an answer to that one. Uh, but if they did, that would immediately be like, a, okay, we're definitely going to talk about this. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, that's a dangerous question. Like, why, you know, why do you not want to talk about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, you know, hearing from them like, okay, well, if you don't want to talk about it because of this, that, or the other reason, we're going to talk about those other reasons so that then we can talk about this. Yep. Um, but, you know, really getting to know them um, on you know, a personal level. And, and part of the big reason why I'll do this is I'm taking a whole bunch of notes. And if they want me to speak at all, 
uh, and, and share a little bit during the wedding, this is my information bucket. You know, this is where I can get all of the the stories and the answers to the questions of anything that I might want to share because I want to make it as personal as possible. Yep. Uh, and then we'll also go through, you know, I, I will talk through with them at that first meeting, like a pretty specific, uh, like, hey, what what's the order of the service? What's the order of the day? What, what does that wedding day look like? Uh, what are all of the elements that are going into the service and, and kind of nail down some of those things. Some people come to that meeting, they've already got all of that done. Some of them were walking through it for the first time, but, uh, and, and sometimes it's fun. Cause like you'll throw something out in there and they're like, Oh, I didn't even think about like having right. a, a reading yeah. or, Oh, I didn't know people, you know, played music at that yep. point. Uh, and so really getting them to think about all that, but kind of nailing down all of those, uh, all those details. Yeah. I call that first uh, meeting the kind of the intake, you Mm -hmm. know, like it's one of those things where you are gathering so much about them. uh, And it it really does help you when you're actually structuring the ceremony. What I, what I find interesting, I I like that you do that in the beginning. Um, I actually just do it a little different. So that's my last session is, Mm -hmm. is the actual order of service. And um, I'll get to that in a second, but you know, I think that, with that first session, I've noticed with, with every couple I've done, they're nervous, you know, like, like when they're, even if you know them really, really well, when you step into this premarital counseling session for the first time, even if it's in a comfortable spot, there's a little bit of like, okay, you know, what's this going to entail? What are we going to have to talk about? And so when you can just take that pressure off and just let them talk about their relationship, talk about their life and their love it just makes it feel comfortable and whole to them that where they can they can be honest and open and so I like that a lot uh, and so that first session is just all intake. Now for me, the next two or three sessions, depending how quick we go through it, I call this the crash course of marriage. And so take a stab, Kyle. Leading cause of divorce. Go. Uh, communicate. Well, I was going to say communication, but if we're getting specific, I would probably say cheating. Yep. I mean, literally could not have said it better myself. The leading cause of divorce in America is some form of breakdown in communication. That can mean that, you know, a, an affair would fit into that category because you just have stopped communicating your needs. Uh, that can mean that like, you know, something we hear so often is, you know, we just grew apart. We just, we just kind of fell out of love. Like you didn't fall out of love. You just stopped communicating back and forth to each other. And so communication is the leading cause of divorce. I want to take a stab at number two. Um, money. Did you read my notes? No, <laughs> I also do premarital. <laughs> I love it. No, I know. And, and like, these are obvious things. Like I mean, I'm sure anyone who doesn't do premarital could literally like yeah. nail this. I mean, this is, this you is ask obvious. Ask a married couple what they fight about. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, this, this next, uh, two or three sessions, um, are all about really what are the things that we can talk through practically? finances like this is i've when i've when i've officiated this we've run the gamut of like i'm counseling someone who like they're 45 years old they're on their second marriage and like they run their budget better than i do so it's like okay like well we don't have a ton to talk about here yet at the same time i've also sat down with people who go we don't really have a budget so i don't know where to start uh so we've we've done that um my favorite uh thing to talk about is that communication and uh conflict management style specifically which are really really good uh we talk about sex uh and i don't know how you do it kyle but like i am very blunt and and like forward with talking about sex just because when you talk about things that people don't want to talk about i feel like this kind of comes to the top of the list yeah so my third session is that trifecta communication, sex, and money. And I have found that the, the more direct you're willing to just kind of talk about that sexual piece, uh, you know, it's awkward for like a minute. And then when they pick up on like, no, we're just going to have this conversation. The guard comes down a little bit. And, and it becomes a little bit easier to to kind of have this conversation, um, and, and it kind of flows a lot better from there. And so I, I agree. I think that the uh, just the upfront like 
nope, we're just we're just going to talk about this and it's going to be normal and and it just kind of lets the guards down a little bit. Yeah. Especially when they, I think when they meet with a pastor, they think that we don't want to talk about sex, <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah. like I feel like, I feel weird talking to a pastor about having sex with this person when it's some, like, some people are like, Hey, I need a couple drinks before we're going to get into right, this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think that's like where you set the tone at, yeah. at, as the, as the person who's running this, like when you just come out and talk about sex forward and, and straightforward, it it really does kind of help set that precedent that we're going to be real here. Um, and just a, a, one other thing I want to really highlight in this kind of part of this segment is something that uh, I'm not sure where the idea came from, but we have, so between session one and two, where we talk about all of these things, um, I have our, our couple do a few things. We have them do the love language test. Um, we have them do a conflict management style test, so like where you find out how do you handle conflict? Are you an appeaser? Are you a fighter? There's like five different styles that are really, really interesting, and it's, we kind of dialogue about that. But my favorite thing of any premarital gathering is the spousal expectations. And so what they have to do is individually, I want them to write down the expectations they have of their spouse as a married couple however irrational, big or small they are. So if when you're sitting down and you want your husband to get up with you and have coffee and to lead the house spiritually and to do a Bible study with them, write all of those things down. As the dude, if you're like, I want my wife to be supportive of my hobbies. I want my wife to, you know, whatever it is. They do them individually without conferring before they come to us. So then when we sit down in that second session, they're now sharing their expectations for their spouse in the presence of my wife and I. (laughs) Yeah. For the first time. Yeah. And they're like, Oh my gosh. And you know, what's super, super insightful is there's always, always things where the other person goes, huh? I would have never thought that that was something you thought of me. I can do that, but like I would have never thought that was a thing. And it really just kind of, one, it just kind of shows that we have expectations subliminally that we never actually communicate to to the person of interest. Yeah. But it also kind of can, early on in this premarital process, kind of divulge some areas where there might be some disunity. Even if it's like, I've encouraged couples like, how often do you think you want to have sex? You know, like, are we talking seven times in a week, once a day, or are we talking 17 times in a week? Or are we talking three times in a week? You know, cause all of a sudden if you're in different once every other month is, is probably go. good. Perfect. <laughs> but then no, that's, I, I think that that's a really good exercise and that's something, you know, I'll kind of just piggyback on that to encourage youth pastors or anybody that's, that's, doing premarital counseling, uh, I would encourage you to find ways to make it interactive. Um, you know, I have, I've seen people do premarital counseling where most of it is just like that person talking at the couple. Yeah. No good. And, And that gets really old really quick. And so as interactive as you can make it, that is a win. Um, the other thing that I'll throw out, I mentioned that, you know, this, uh, you know, we, we've got a couple of kind of secret weapons with this topic. One being that Derek wrote his senior project on it. Uh, another secret weapon is that at the church that I am at, uh, we have like a pastor of marriage ministry on staff, uh, at our church. And, and so she does, you know, on, on top of some of the other things she does, like she does premarital counseling all the time, uh, you know, for, for couples. And so I sat down and had a conversation with her before we recorded this episode. And one of the things as simple as it is that, that she does is she doesn't call it premarital counseling. She calls them premarital classes because like these people, and it makes a lot of sense. Like you're not like, giving them advice on whether or not they should get married. They're probably already engaged. They're getting married. 
And so it's, it's not a matter of, and, and so I, I kind of liked the, just the idea of like, this, it's not necessarily a matter of like, yeah, that like, let's find out if you guys should get married. It, it's more about nine times out of 10, it's about equipping, you know, the couple that is getting married to stand the test of time. Uh, the other thing I'll throw out here before we continue from my conversation with her that I thought was really <laughs> interesting and unique is that she uh, she asks couples uh, at the very beginning, she will ask them, what is one thing that would break your marriage apart? Oh. And if they have any answer to that question, then she maybe cautions them on whether or not they should get married. Interesting. And, and obviously that is coming from you know, a, a biblical, yeah. uh, background of, you know, marriage is not a, a contract to be broken. Sure. Uh, you know, marriage is like, yep, we are married now. And that is just a thing. Yeah. And, and it's not changing unless one of us dies. Uh, or in my wife and I's case, both of us die. Cause we're going out together. Yep. Same. Um, but, uh, for, you know, and, and I like that question, you know, I'll, I'll sneak in a similar one sometimes when I'll ask couples if they want to get a prenup, uh, when we're talking about the financial stuff, uh, I had one time I asked the question and they basically didn't know what a prenup was. And so I explained it to them and they were like, well, why would we do that? And I was like, Never great mind. answer. That's a great answer. <laughs> and so that's, uh, I, I just, I liked the upfrontness of her question. Like if there is anything on your mind already that could break up, like, yeah, if that happens, then our marriage is probably done. Well, then we've got some work to do right? to get you to the point where you should, you know, your relationship is healthy. And I imagine these are things not like an affair, you know, where like, that, well, that could be on the list, uh, <laughs> but you know, it, it. I think that even in that case, yeah. If if you're walking into a marriage with like under any circumstances, if there's an affair, then we're done. There's no room for forgiveness sure. there, like. Okay, if you wanted to really get specific in your answer to that question, like yeah, if my if my spouse cheats on me several times, shows no remorse, has no interest in getting back together and abuses out, me. Abuses me and moves out of the house. Okay, yes, I suppose, yeah. but like that's not the point right. of of the question. The point of the question is basically like yeah, whether it's, you know, he didn't take out the trash even though I asked him or you know, he was I can't flirting with someone. Hobby. Yeah, uh, there should always be a window of forgiveness. Sure, a- and if that other person chooses to shut that door, then that's a different conversation. Right. Yeah. No, I I really don't have hardly anything more to add. You know, I think that there are just there's a lot of good resources out there, and that's what I found is you know there are some people who do premarital counseling really well. And here's what I would also say is like, it's got to be reflective of you. You know, like you, I feel like what makes premarital effective is when you do it from an extension of who you are. You know, like if you're a person who is very conversational, very relational, don't opt in for this hardcore educative, educative, nice, um, educational <laughs> class. Um <laughs> You know, like it's got to, it's got to reflect you. And I think that if you are married and you have been married for however long, I think there's value in you inserting different questions and experiences that you've had as well, that would be beneficial to the couple. Um, and again, yeah, I think the, the other, the other thing that I'd like to do as well is, um, you know, if you have a, when it comes to like getting the details of the ceremony, I actually have a template that I'm sure you do as well um, that I take couples through just because there are certain things that like, do you want a unity ceremony or not? Oh, I forgot there. That was even a thing. Like, yep. what, what are our options? Well, there's the core, there's the sand, you know, and then like, having all these different things. And then let's standpoint. think outside the box. Right. And, yeah. So, yeah. you know, there, it, it just, I've, I'm sure this could be said of many other topics, but the more you can just be consistent and systemize how you do this, the more you can just be present in the moment and naturally let the Holy Spirit lead you in this conversation. You yeah. Know? Um, that's good. 
I will say, so I've got one more real quick uh, topic that I go over that I want to mention because in my experience, this has been one of the more groundbreaking conversations uh, that I, that I have with people is um, I, I, so my first one, my first session is like kind of that get to know you wedding planning, all that stuff. And the third one is communication, sex and money. Uh, that one sometimes gets split up into two sessions, depending sure. on how long we want to have that conversation. Yep. Uh, but my middle session, uh, I, I talk about family. Nice. And, you know, some of like, like you mentioned the, um, well, let me back up. I, I start the conversation with like, okay, let's talk about families of origin. Like, where did you guys come from? And, and their homework for that session is to bring their family tree. Nice. And, and it's kind of fun because like they, I literally have them walk me through, tell me about your siblings, tell me about your parents and, and their relationship. Let's go through aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents and all of that. Uh, you know, we'll do it for the husband, do it for the wife. Uh, and, and just kind of talk through some of those things. And, and that was one of my favorite moments in a premarital session was, uh, going through this exercise with somebody and I pointed out that there was on one side of, of the husband's family tree, I think there was like five or six divorces. And so just pointing that out and seeing it, like his face was like, Oh, you're right. I never put that together and kind of talking about, okay, like, you know, is divorce a genetic thing? No, but can it be learned through family structure potentially? And so let's look at, you know, how do we not let this become a family trend for you guys. Yeah. Uh, and so that was good. Uh, but then also turning it around and kind of looking forward. Okay. You know, to your future family. And this is where like, you know, when Derek mentioned the, the spousal expectations, uh, you know, kind of the same thing talking about, you know, what are your expectations? Uh, you know, chores, work-life balance, pets, how many kids, religion, uh, you know, different things like that. Uh, managing in-laws, honestly, that is a great thing to talk about in premarital counseling. That could be a session in itself. <laughs> it probably could be, uh, but especially if one or both in-laws are nearby, uh, that uh, that can definitely be uh, something that's worth talking about. But uh, just that that family of origin conversation and the in-law conversation uh, are two that I would encourage uh, people to maybe take a look at because that uh, I've had some incredible conversations with people uh, kind of just talking, uh, talking through and processing like, Oh, you're right. We can't be at both families houses on Christmas Eve. Right. Like, you know, we have to alternate or one is Christmas Eve, one's Christmas day. Yeah. Uh, you know, trying not to keep score on which in-laws get more time with us. You know, all that stuff is, is really, really fun. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and you know, we're speaking from like, I'm speaking from personal experience. You know, my, my parents live like 10 minutes from us and my wife's parents live about 30 minutes from us, both very, very close, which is great when you're, you know, raising a newborn and, and need help. Uh, but there's also like, yeah, we have to navigate families right. during holidays and, and all those things. And so, yep. uh, that's, that's definitely, and, and that can be a huge, uh, you know, source of conflict in a relationship. And so that's, a big win to talk about stuff like that for sure. Yeah. And I, I, again, if there's, if there's something specific that a couple wants to, uh, what, what I think about like here is if you're dealing with blended families, you know, yeah. and all of a sudden yeah. now you have to figure out how we're going to parent. Like these are things that might not be in your standard premarital course. Um, but really specialize it to the couple, however you can, uh, because again, this is for their benefit, not for ours. Let's not just go through the motions just to say that we did it. Let's make this something that's genuinely helpful and productive and good for them. So, um, you know, get, get specialized. But there's one part of this process that I want to focus on here as we look towards the end of the episode. And it's for you as the officiant, um, what are the things that are, 
are important for you to keep in mind uh, before you go into this. And so I think we're just going to rattle this off and Kyle, like feel free to jump in and, and let me know wherever um, I, I miss stuff here. But the first thing is before you officiate a wedding, make sure that you are actually legally able to. That's what, a good idea. What I mean by that is you might have your license. You might be a licensed pastor, but before you can officiate a wedding, at least in the state of Minnesota, and I'm sure this is pretty universal across the country, you need to have your credentials filed with a certain county. So for example, there's a county here in Minnesota where if you if you go to their you know, county office, they can pull my name and have, they have a copy of my credentialing license. They have my paperwork. I am legally able and have the proof to show that I can officiate a wedding. You need to make sure you're legally able to do it. Secondly, in that same vein, see what that particular county does in their um, licensing or their marriage certificate. Um, I've done a, a decent amount of weddings in a decent amount of counties. And you know what's super fun is every single county does it differently. They have different requirements. They have different certificates. They need different signatures. They have different filing processes. Familiarize yourself with the actual marriage certificate um, for your benefit so you don't miss out on something. And here's why that matters. A lot of times after you marry a couple, you have very little time until you need to get that sucker like mailed out to the point where if you don't do it in like five days, they they don't like that. And then doesn't matter for you as much, but when the bride goes to try and change her name legally and she can't find a legal marriage certificate on file, guess whose fault that is? Yours, because you didn't get your stuff done on time. So familiarize yourself with what is going on in that time. And then my last little tidbit, and then I want to hear Kyle's wisdom. This is the part that I have started to do um, with every single couple that I have, whether they are my sister or whether they are someone I just met a week and a half ago. I hand them this same piece of paper before we jump into this entire process. It is more or less a one-page agreement saying, hey, I'm so excited for you. Here's what you can expect. Here's what the premarital process looks like. Here are some things I like are non-negotiables for me. Namely, we're going to talk about God in your ceremony. Like to what extent we can discuss, but like I refuse to have a ceremony that I officiate where we don't acknowledge that God brought this together and that God's presence in this life is critical. So that's a non-negotiable for me. As well as, and this would be my big encouragement to every single youth pastor, a fixed wage as to what you are charging for the wedding. What I mean by that is early on, it was kind of one of those things that I started just doing weddings for family members and, and that kind of thing. And so I didn't charge anything and I don't regret that. But as I've gone into this, the amount of time you put into preparing this, the amount of time you take away from your spouse, your family, your job to do this, if it's outside of work hours, which it usually is because they have real jobs too, it all takes time. The gas to the rehearsal and back, the gas to the ceremony and back, buying them a gift, buying them a card, upgrading your wardrobe so you don't look like a slob when you show up to officiate the wedding. It all takes time. It all takes money. So when I started charging what I charge, I was like, this is a decent chunk of money. But when I broke it down to all of those things, I realized, okay, well, I'm giving myself about five $5 an hour basically is what I'm charging for my worth. And it's like, okay, like I need, I need to, I need to pick this up. So it's up to you how you want to do this. I get family things are tricky. I get close friend things are tricky, but I'd really encourage you to look at what it costs or like or or what it means to you to charge for the service because especially if you do it right and do it with diligence, it is something they should and are willing to pay for. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to to add on any of those. Uh the one thing that I do a little bit differently and it, I would be curious to know if this were to play out legally, 
what way it would go. But uh, I, the only time I touch the marriage certificate is when I sign it. I don't keep it. I don't send it in. Um, I, one of my premarital counseling questions for the couple is when it, on your wedding day, outside of the two of you, who is the person you trust the most in the room? Great question. And that is the person that gets the marriage license after it is signed and they are responsible for either A, giving it to the couple the next morning or B, they just mail it in or, or take it to the, mm-hmm. to the county. Um, yeah, I don't want to be a part of that process at all. Uh, I don't, I don't need that extra, you know, thing on my mind. And so, uh, that is, uh, that is a a little tip that I picked up from, from someone that, uh, just kind of takes a little bit of the, the stress of that piece off. Um, yeah, but that's, that's all I got. Yeah. The fun part with this is I always heard this line is, um, you know, no one remembers a single word you say when at their wedding, they remember every word you say at, at a funeral, <laughs> you know, there's, there's mm-hmm. that pressure, um, you know, but that would be my last little tip of just doing weddings is like, just like be present, you know, just be with the couple, have fun with this, take it seriously, script it out, do what you're going to do. But if you miss a word, like it's so much better for you just to be present and just be real than to feel like you need to manicure this perfect thing. This is the happiest day of their life up to this point. And so just understand that respectfully, if you screw something up, they don't care because frankly, they don't care that you're there. <laughs> They're just ready to be married. Yep. Uh, and, and so it's a fun process. I love it. I love talking about marriage and it's just, it's a, it's a good time. Yeah. I, you know, I did think of one more thing to add. Uh, it's not about you. Yeah. So get out of the way. Um, and, and that is both theoretical advice. Like don't talk longer than they want you to, you know, don't make weird or inappropriate jokes. Like it is about them. It's also practical advice. Uh, if they have a photographer there, which they probably will move it, move when they go to kiss at the end of the ceremony. Um, there was one time I moved a solid 10 feet and somehow I still did not make it all the way out of the shot. I was like, at that point, that's the photographer's photographer's fault. I, I got nothing on that, but, um, that, that would be, you know, just my last piece of advice is like, this is, this is about celebrating this couple. And that's why that first session is so important to me is, you know, gathering that info about them and, and hearing their story. Like I want to make this as about you as I can and not about me as I can. Can I piggyback one tip off what you just said? Mm -hmm. Go talk to the photographer because, (laughs) and the DJ. Yeah. Because yeah. Fantastic. Because one, you need to know if your mic is actually good to go and where you should set it. But for the photographer, it's pointless to jump out of the way if you don't know where they're standing. So if you try to get out of the way and all of a sudden now you're directly in their shot, like it's no good. I actually had um, a photographer say like, Hey, like I can edit you out easily. So instead of you being like, you know, and stepping out of the way, just be present and clap and smile and I can edit you out Mm. the rest of the way. I'm like, that's good. You know, so just talk to photographers, see what they want you to do and then kind of go accordingly. Yeah. Cause that's a Um, fantastic tip that gets overlooked so easy. That's true. One. Okay. Now I have one more, uh, final, this is like an ultra pro tip. You ready? Uh, have you Derek officiated a wedding that was outdoors? Yes. Okay. I've actually exclusively officiated outdoor weddings, which is unique, but, uh, I actually, my next one this summer is not outdoors. So that'll change. Um, so I have like a really thin black binder and it's like my wedding binder. Yep. Right. That's what I will bring to rehearsal, bring to the ceremony. Like I'm reading vows out of there, all that stuff. Um, the morning of the wedding, I don't actually three hole punch my papers and like put them in the binder. I tape them to the inside of the binder. And the result is my papers don't go flying in the wind. Nice. And so that is, that is a, that is an A plus move, whether you're in or outdoors, 
but especially if you are outdoors, uh, taping those papers down so that they don't go anywhere is uh, going to be really helpful. All done on you. Good job. You learn awesome. something new every day. Amen. And that was one of them, apparently, a long time ago for me. <laughs> I love it. That does it for today's episode. We are so thankful that you guys joined us for uh, talking about some premarital counseling. Uh, but uh, we're done for today. So on behalf of Derek, uh, I am going to go brush up on my five love languages. Goodbye. Goodbye.